0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dean Rogers Show. Today, we have Mr. David Olds. What's up, David? How
1: are you, my man? I'm so happy to be here. I know we've talked about this for a long time. We had some scheduling conflicts and conundrums, but no, man, I'm, I'm glad we got to get together.
0: Yeah, we just keep flirting with each other, man, and now it's finally <laughs> we're here. <laughs> That's right. I still You still haven't given me the, uh, we didn't have the armband challenge thing, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we did it in person though, right? Didn't we? No, we didn't do them. You were going to bring them over. I think you got sidetracked with somebody else. Oh, man. Let's it was a good thing. I didn't have to be embarrassed. So. No, you're going to hit the bands next time. All right, let's uh, do it. Yeah, we'll get you a nasty pump. So yeah. uh, All right, guys. For those of you that don't know Mr. David Olds here, he has been investing for 21 years. He's done over, over 1,500 wholesale deals. He's, yeah. He flips houses. He's got over 100 rentals. And now he's uh, disrupting the transaction coordination side of the business and has a a full service business on that side. So we'll be sure to talk about that as well. Um, You guys can always connect with him at David Olds REI on Instagram. Find him on all the socials. So, dude, let's uh, let's dive in here. Hey, guys, welcome to the Dean Rogers Show, where we talk about real deals that we're doing and bring on awesome guests to talk about how they're finding success in their business to inspire and motivate you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. All right. See you on the show.
1: Yeah, man, let's do it. 21 years. That sounds stupid even to me. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that sounds like somebody who was just too dumb to quit. I think it really is, is, is what the answer is, right? I'm the guy at the party who stayed too long, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah 20 years.
0: Hey, that means you're, you found something that uh, you like and you're working on, so.
1: Well, it beats the heck out of a, a corporate job, right? That's, that's for sure, right? We're, we're not out here digging ditches or doing anything like that. We're, uh, you know, our job as investors, we're here, you know, helping people, helping sellers and helping buyers and, you know, putting deals together. It's what's not to love. That's
0: right. Well, uh, I'd love to kind of go back and talk about when you were getting started and kind of like how you got there. Cause I don't know your story just yet about how you, how you yeah. did get started.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, don't feel like I have like this tragic story or, you know, some people have you, you've had Eric Klein on, I'm sure. Right. Have you Eric Klein? No, no, you should. Yeah. I to had- follow him speaking at uh, an event and, you know, it was, you know, he's like, you know, 14 years ago, I was three blocks away doing crack. And now I'm like, I'm like, and having to follow that was horrendous. Right. So I don't have that kind of story, <laughs> but um, no, man, I mean, I grew up in in Boston, had a great kind of just middle-class family. Uh, my dad was, was ex army. So, uh, you know, we, our lives were we really revolved around chores and responsibilities and, and all of that type of stuff. So, you know, my dad growing up was always, you know, fixing the house, we were building additions, we were doing all that stuff. So like I was a kid that had to come home every day and do an hour and a half of uh, chores in the yard, no matter what the weather was. And on the weekends, it was like four hours, which, you know, at the time just seemed like the end of the world to a 13 year old. Right. But. Uh, yeah. So, you know, funny, cause I got so tired of, we lived in Boston. So the one thing we do in, in the fall is we do nothing but rake leaves. <clears throat> and uh, so as a kid, I was always like, when I grow up, I'm never going to make my kids do this. I'm going to live in a condo and, you know, I won't make them do any of the things that my parents are making me do. And turns out, you know, what happens is you become exactly like your parents. So, uh, you know, my, uh, my wife and I got, we got married in 2002 and the first thing we did was we went out and bought a house and tore it apart and started remodeling it, which you know, because that's sort of the background I came from. Plus, I also worked for a, a building materials company in uh, Florida. so so anyways, that was cool. we we got this little house in Opka, Florida. We you know went in and just did some you know changed out some flooring, some doors, just just stuff like that. But we resold it two years later, and uh we made almost fifty thousand dollars in two thousand two like that was that was pretty good so uh i remember going to the going to the closing with with our agent our our realtor and she's like hey you know you don't have to pay tax on this money i'm like well why she's like well because you lived in it for two years and it's homesteaded dummy i'm like oh well that's interesting so (laughs) we we walked away with you know literally all the money you know, tax free in our pockets. So I'm like, well, this is cool. Let's do it again. So we went and we bought like the ugliest house in a really nice neighborhood. This all brick, you know, brick kind of not ranchers, but brick homes with pools and oak trees. We bought the ugliest one. We did the same thing. We fixed that up. And about 30 months later, we sold it, made almost a hundred thousand. I'm like, okay, we need to figure this out, right? We need to kind of get this a little bit more dialed in. And I happened to be at the Orlando airport and I was waiting on waiting on uh, our kids to, to fly in. And most cliche thing ever, right? I'm in the bookstore, literally leaning on the, the shelf, just trying to kill time, pick up a book, rich dad, poor dad, right? Like again, but like the, the story that 99% of investors all have. So I read that book and uh, you know, it's a very simple, easy read. If anybody hasn't read it, you should go buy it today. And um, at the end of the book, Kiyosaki says, hey, if you want to, um, if you want to be in oil, do this. If you want to be in stocks, you should do this. If you want to learn about real estate, you should find a real estate investment association or like a real estate meetup. I'm like, okay. I've never claimed to be the smartest guy, but I can definitely follow direction, right? I'm coachable, so I go to my big computer, you know, this you know big monitor from 2002 or what three or whatever it was back then, and like web crawl.
0: It was a hundred pounds, right?
1: Oh yeah, dude, it was big. Right? Like <laughs> Google didn't even exist, so it was I think it was like web crawler or something, and I'm like, you know, Orlando Real Estate Association, and uh, I, I found this one called the Central Florida Real Estate. C F R I real estate investors association. Right. So, uh, so I'm looking at it online. I'm like, yeah, this sounds like, this sounds like what I want. So uh, I told my wife, I'm like, I'm going to go down there. And it was July. They had a meeting at the first Wednesday of every month at the old Bumby theater in downtown Orlando, if anybody's from there. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm all excited. I'm going to drive down there. We live like 30, 30 minutes North. And uh, so I'm driving down, I'm all excited. And like, I'm actually a super introvert, like I was super, super introverted and shy. And so anyways, I pull into this parking lot and little did I know CFRI is the third biggest RIA in the country, it's enormous. There's like hundreds of cars out front. And so I pull in this parking lot and like all these cars, just back in the day, everybody had decals and magnets. And it's like, I buy houses, hard money, soft money, 1041 exchange, and Spectigator, like all these cars. Soft and I, Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that was, <laughs> and their money's, they're hard to get money. We're easy, anyways. <laughs> so, I'm driving through this parking lot looking for a parking place. And I'm just getting more and more anxious the whole time. Yeah. And all I can think of is, holy sh! I do not belong here. Like, I should not be here. When in reality, I flipped two houses, which is probably more than half the people in the room there had done. But I'm like, I can't. I can't do this. And uh, I'm looking for a spot, looking for a spot right out the other side. So I drive home and, you know, I you can go home. So left, dude. Left. Oh, no. Dude, I was too afraid to go in. Crazy. No. Like, And I can count on, like, one hand the number of times I've not told my wife the truth. So I get home and she's like, how'd it go? I'm like, couldn't find it I couldn't, <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go back next month and uh I, I was so mad with myself i remember it was it was july because i remember there was a month i didn't go but then the next month i went it was like the day before my birthday so it was september and uh so now i'm pissed though now i'm like so mad with myself because it's been 60 days and I, you know i made this commitment i was gonna go do this thing so i'm like yep i'm driving down there like white knuckled, like fingernails are digging into my I'm like I'm doing this the whole way 30 minutes I'm like I'm going in I'm doing this I'm doing this I'm doing this so I pull in I whip into like the first parking spot get out of my car real fast walk up there and pay uh I paid the 20 bucks or whatever it was to get in and uh I'm like okay I'm gonna do this (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to chew this. And it wasn't like I've never like done things. Like I was a manager of big stores and had employees, but something about this just, I was just so nervous because it was so new, right? And I know a lot of people have that that feeling, right? The first time they, they you know, they want to start something that's new like this. So, so I go in and, you yeah, know, it has a little lobby, right? You've seen them, like everybody's got a table set up and they're giving crap away. So I'm like, I'm just doing what everybody else does. So I grab a bag and I'm just getting pencils and pens and notepads and just, just trying to, trying to blend in. And uh, so the meeting starts, they call everybody in, huge auditorium, right? So I go sit way in the back left-hand corner where nobody will bother me. I take out my notepad and I'm ready to start start taking notes, like Kiyosaki said, right? And they did this really interesting thing there that I I love to tell the story. Um, They called it deal of the month. So every month they would pre-select three, four, five people and they would get up and they would talk about a deal they've done and then everybody would, they would flap, pick the winner, get like a $100 home depot card. So cool. So this first guy gets up and this is all like, uh, transparencies. This is how long ago this was like, they're putting the transparency down and it's shooting up on yeah, the board. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this first guy gets up and, uh, I-, I wish I could remember his name, but I always say Bob. So Bob's like this typical Florida guy, 80 years old, 80 pounds, you know, literally like overalls, a white t-shirt and straw, like that, like this was the guy he gets up and he's like, ha. Huh. My name is Bob. So I'm like, Bob, taking notes, Bob, okay, <laughs> Bob. Because I don't know what's what's happening, right? First time. And uh so everybody yells, Hey Bob. And I'm like, oh my God, where am I at? And uh so, anyways, he starts telling the story about he's like, I was on my way to North Carolina to see my kin folk. Like, okay, kin folk, got it, taking notes. And he's like, So I, I stopped in South Carolina some gas and i don't even want to do the guy's accent but he's basically he he stopped and this there was this for sale by owner sign so we stopped and he went and talked to the guy and the guy wanted like eighty thousand dollars or something and bob's like well i offered him like 42 because i remember it was like half i'm like man dude you got big balls half and he's like well the guy didn't take it so i went to visit with my folk, and as i was driving home the guy called him back and said okay i'll i'll take your offer he's like wow Okay, so uh, so he says I went back, I stayed there for a couple of days, closed on the house, hired a contractor, and uh, and then I came back to Florida, and he's like I just sold the house and made sixty thousand dollars, and I'm looking at this guy on stage who you know looked like looks like he's homeless, talks like he's got marbles in his mouth, and I'm like that guy just made sixty thousand dollars and he wasn't even didn't even do anything. And 60 is a lot of money, remember, back then. So I'm like, holy smokes. Okay, we're taking my notes, $60,000. So the next girl gets up. Dude, this girl, her name is Olga. She's from Russia. Stunningly beautiful. She starts talking. You can't even understand what she's saying because she's got such a thick accent. But she's talking about how she's flipping mobile homes all over Orlando for five grand a piece. I don't even know what the next two people said because i was just sitting there stunned that dude who has marbles in his mouth hot chick who doesn't speak english and these two people are making money hand over fist what am i doing like like, why am i not doing this right and and that's kind of one of those stories that i go back to all the time in my life like like if they can do this Certainly I can. Right. I am definitely that smart. Right. I'm at least as smart as that. I have a degree from UMass. Like I'm at least as smart as them. You know, it's it's I'm not going to let fear of just the unknown hold me back. So so that was sort of my first meeting and, you know, how how I got into real estate. And, you know, that 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 first meeting was really pivotal for me because I got to see that. People who aren't that smart can make a lot of money, like a lot, a lot of money, and uh, yeah, just just kind of, you know, one of those you know points in your life that you can always go back and reflect on.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a huge mental breakthrough, and I think the part I love most about the story is you driving by and not going to that first meetup uh, yeah. because the reality about that, why it's good for you to share that, uh, given you know what you've accomplished and where you're at today. Is that a lot of people are too scared to make that first step.
1: Oh it's horrifyingly scary.
0: There's all these you know limiting beliefs that you have, there's all these yeah. self-doubts that you have. you have all this pre-programming about how you know y- you're not good enough, you're not gonna make it. that's that's what yeah. the rich people do. But yeah. you saw and had that mental breakthrough when you saw these guys doing yeah. it, And if they could do it, you could definitely do it, right? And I think that's why I love real estate so much is because it doesn't matter what you look like, how tall you are, how short you are, what color your skin is, what age you are, what language you speak. It does not matter if you're willing to take the time and effort to learn the foundational skills and then put the effort and, and back it up with your your uh, with taking action, then yeah. anybody can do it.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. It's, you know, I say it's a great equalizer, right? It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, where you come from, you know, everybody can, can 100% get rich in real estate. In fact, most of the people that we know that are wealthy in real estate started with nothing, you know, yeah. with, with absolutely nothing. So no, no I, you know, big believer in it. It's if you, if you want to work hard and have the least little bit of discipline, like you can do this. Um, getting rich is not, it's not complicated, it's not exciting. Right. It's really not. It's it's being able to do the same thing that works repetitively over, over it, and over, making, making the call, making the call, sending the messages, sending the, sending the direct mail, you know, going out on the meetings, you know, learning the most basic of people's skills. And uh, you know, you you can you can make money. Now, if you start to excel in any of those areas, my goodness, you know, then you're you're off to the races.
0: Yeah. That's another nugget right there, man, is there is there is no secret sauce. There's there's little there's little things that can help you and accelerate it, like you said. But the real secret is just being willing and able to do it over and over and over again, because I think another area where people get caught up when they're getting started is they'll take the action. They might even get some results. They might even get a deal or two, uh, but then they stop doing those things that they were doing to get those deals and the effort that they were putting in there. And then they're just wondering why it's not still working. So um, for you, what was it that took you from doing those, those two deals yourself, right? That you just kind of happened to flip your own houses to go into the meetup. What, what were the next steps you took to really just put the rocket fuel on?
1: So for me um, now, like I had a great job, I had a good corporate job. I was back then probably making eighty or eighty five thousand. My wife had a good job, sixty or seventy. So we were in Central Florida, like we were good. Like you know, we we definitely were were making money. And then so the one thing I did is is that that RIA was really amazing. They had a meeting, you know, four nights a week, someplace in Central Florida. So I got very involved in that. They uh, they would do weekend seminars. They would bring in guest speakers. There was they were local groups for landlords for accounting for you know wholesaling like there was a group for everything there so i just immersed myself as much as i could in that world and that's one thing about entrepreneurs you know we're, we get a little obsessive about stuff <laughs> and we want when we're in it we want to be all in it so yeah i just i just dove in and tried to learn as much as much as i possibly could um while still say, staying focused and my focus at that time was You know buying rehabbing and reselling right that because i had a job so you know i needed something that i could do nights nights and weekends but yeah for for sure the biggest catalyst was you know getting involved in in the education that i could you know belonging to the group attending as much as that as i could and just being around people who were actually doing the business because then you can see oh this is a real thing Right. This isn't just something that I read on a book or this, you know, ex football player. No wonder he's doing so great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or something. Or you know, they look at me like, "Oh, you've done fifteen hundred deals. Of course, you can jump on the phone with somebody." But you know, when you see people every day, you know, out there, you know, winning and sometimes losing, but they're in the game, and and that it actually works. It it just strengthens your belief system. Um, And I paid for coaching. I paid for mentoring and coaching. And you know, big believer in that. I think uh, you know, I've spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh you know mentorships and masterminds and all those types of things but you learn so much and make such such great connections so so we continued to do that until um like 2008 2009 because then it was the end of the world right then it was the the great great recession or depression or crash or whatever whatever you wanted to be and uh so by this time we'd done maybe 15 houses and um We knew something was happening. We knew the market was slowing down. We could tell from our business. I I worked for like eighty four lumber. We were building material supplier. So we knew that the market was slowing down really fast. You couldn't tell. Like you didn't know we were about to fall off a cliff, but you knew there it was a little bit of a slowdown. So we wanted to. um, My wife and I realized we need to we need to be investing someplace else because Florida's just it kind of got too out of control, and now it's so competitive, and it was it was it was just. It was a difficult environment to, to be an investor. So we started looking around and we found Chattanooga. Um, Chattanooga, you know, had relatively low, um, you know, hadn't had much of a fall off in pricing. Um, it was poised for a ton of growth. Volkswagen had just announced that they were going to open their first production facility in the United States here. It was the first city in the country to have um, gigabyte internet to every, every house. It was called Gig City. Um, let's see, Volkswagen, Amazon opened two fulfillment plants here, almost back to back. So, so it was a city that was really on the rise. So, so we bought our last house in, in Deltona, Florida. And Dean, I bought this house. It was a probate deal. I'm like, we're going to do one more deal. And and then we're going to, we're going to bounce out of here. So I bought this deal, little three bedroom, two bath house, 742 Trafalgar street in Deltona. And, uh, identical house one block over two blocks down had just sold for two fourteen. So dude, I'm at 97. Like I'm good. This is in, this is in October of 08. So I'm like, so like it had slowed down, but like, that's all it had done. So I'm like, okay, we're going to take one more bite at the apple and we're going to take our 50, 60 grand and we're going to skedaddle out of here. So back in those days, I was younger, skinnier and had a lot more energy. So I did all the rehabbing, scraping ceilings, putting down tile, doing all that stuff. So I finished my house in uh, like October, late October, called my realtor and she's like, "Yeah, let's let's list it in January because you know, we don't want to list it during the holidays. Nobody's going to buy. You're just going to get a bunch of days on market." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." So January comes around, I call her. I'm like, "Hey, Shayna, come on over, let's get this thing sold." And uh, so she comes over and she's like, "It looks great." I'm like, I know, she's like, you did a good job. I'm like, I know, what can we sell it for? So she, you know, this again, 2008 or nine, no iPads, no computers, right? She pulls out this notebook with like all these pages from MLS. She's like, well, I think somewhere around 154. Shannon, one block over two block, 214. Oh yeah, that was last year. We had gone over the cliff at this point probably sometime in September or October. And what had happened was for all the three years before where everybody had been running around talking about pre-foreclosures and how to market to pre-foreclosures, well, guess what had happened? All of them hit the market all at once in late fall of 2008, that was the beginning of the crash. And you know, for a lot of people who didn't live through that, and it just used to hear people talk about it, like Google Dan Rather. <laughs> like coming on the news at night and saying, we're not sure if the economy will open in the morning. Like it was scary shit. I'm just telling you, it was a bad time. So I'm like, well, I, you know, like I I sounded like every new investor ever. My house is better than those houses. (laughs) just the stupidest thing ever. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not gonna sell for that. That's stupid. Those are foreclosures. My house is remodeled. And she's like, yeah, I don't think it's gonna matter. Like. It's, it's, it's bad. I'm like, well, this is my ticket out, right? Like this was, you know, even though we were making good money and flipping houses, like we're spending money, we're going on vacation. We weren't, we weren't banking all of that money. So I'm like, well, here's what I'll do. And I thought I was the most magnanimous SOB ever. I'll do it for 165. And she's like, okay, sign here. She's a listing agent. She doesn't care. Walks out, sign in the yard, out she goes. So I'm on the market in January of 2009 at dude like a big discount, right? And uh, like a 25% discount. <clears throat> not one call, nothing, not nothing, like not even a click. So I call her in February. I'm like, hey, what should we do? She's like, I don't know. You know, you really need to probably lower it. I'm like, if I go to 155, will that get it done? She's like, no. I'm like, what do you mean? You told me 154. She's like, you probably need to be at like. 148, 147. I'm like, I'm not doing I'm not doing that because I'm so smart. All right, we'll go to 155. Like a couple of clicks, but not even a showing, like nothing. So finally March, I'm like, oh my God, what do I gotta do? I gotta sell this thing. Cause now I've told my my boss, like I'm leaving, like I'm out. Yeah. Huh. And uh, so, so, so I'm like, all right, just do the 145. I'm like, if I can if I can clear 30 grand and get out of here, it'll be great. Uh, because we've already started like, you know, my brother was going to move to Chattanooga with us. So he's already up here and we were, you know, trying to start wholesaling. So I'm like, I got to get get going. I'm like, put it at 145. I'm like, will that do it? I don't know. I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, What is the number? It's like, honestly, probably 125. Uh-huh. I'm like, I can't, I cannot sell this thing. I I have more I have over 20 grand in it than my labor. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm like, put it at one forty five. So finally a month we had some showings still not, like no offers. Like this is how bad it was. So, so, you know, when people were saying like last year, we're in a recession, we were not in a freaking recession. It drives me crazy. You know, being in a recession is like picture, picture the fat kid chasing a tennis ball down a hill. You can't catch the price that's falling so fast that's a recession, right? Like that's not what we were in. We had this little dip. I get it, some of the, your area, maybe coastal areas, you had a little more contraction, but most of America did not did not see that. Uh, not like we were seeing in Central Florida back then. It was
0: terrible. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I wanted to take a moment to tell you about my coaching program and the community. Besides teaching you exactly what we're doing in our multiple seven-figure real estate investing business, We also have several group coaching calls a week, and I give you my personal cell phone so you can text me whenever you need help. Now, if you're ready to take things to the next level, click the link down below in the description to apply. Now let's get back to the podcast, let's go.
1: So I'm like, well, shit. Like, okay, so luckily, Because I spent seven or eight years or whatever, six years at the RIA, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sell this by owner and I'm going to sell it on a lease option. Like, I'm not doing this. This is dumb. So when I went out bought a bunch of bandit signs and I started making signs said, uh, uh, Deltona three bedroom, two bath, three two, owner will finance 5K down. All right. So, uh, So I put out a bunch of those signs and pretty quickly found, you know, within a month I found somebody that this nurse that needed to buy a house that had bad credit. And, you know, I didn't do a great job screening or anything like that, but essentially like the, I think the, uh, like the 6th of June, she was moving in, we were moving out with our U-Haul and I had my cashier's check for five grand. And that was pretty much at that point, all the money that me and my wife had, like that was it. So it's me, my wife, two teenage boys and three fat dogs. And we load up our, our grand Cherokee and a U-Haul. And we, we, we go to Chattanooga and I'd been going back and forth and uh, we had, we had bought a duplex and we had bought this other, um, this other really old, like 1900s house Well, we had contracted it, So um, I don't know if you've ever, you go in a house and then you go back later and it's not really what you remember. Yeah. So So it's a long ride. It's 577 miles from Chattanooga to to Orlando, Orlando, Chattanooga. So we, we get up uh, early, we drive all the way up here. I get, get for the closing at like four o'clock and then we drive over to the house. And then I pull up to this house and I'm like, this is a little shittier than I remember. (laughs) Um, A little shittier than I remember. So, you know, we're so exhausted. We open the back of the truck, pull out like two mattresses, like literally some dog food and a couple fans because, of course, it's a 1900s house with no central AC. And just drag it in there and uh, throw them on the floor. Like, we just have to get some sleep because we're exhausted. And you know, before I went to bed, like, now I realize, like, the floors in this house are kind of kind of wonky. There's no air. E- electric's only working in half the house because one of the poles is blown. And, man, I'm laying on this, this mattress with, the, you know, my wife the kids are in you know the same room with with on their mattress and the dogs and like it was the worst night ever like i literally cried myself to sleep because i'm like what have i done Uh, like what like i'm but you know you're supposed to be a dad and a husband and a provider and i at least went from this really nice house in deltona to this this piece of crap like what like why did i do this to my family like this is the dumbest thing ever Like I could have got a job, like I could have just said screw real estate and I could have just got, a you know, found a job someplace and and kept my kids there where their friends were. And and it was like, that was probably like one of the worst nights of my life, just laying there thinking, this is a freaking tragic error, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But we woke up the next day and fucking got to work, right? Like we realized, okay, we, you know, there's three ways to make money in real estate, right? you know, quick, you know, fast, medium, and, and, you know, slow, long-term, fastest is wholesaling, right? So believe it or not, after doing 15, even though I've done 1,500 deals in the last, whatever, 14 years, like I couldn't, I tried wholesaling once in Orlando and couldn't make it work. Really, I couldn't make it work because I was making a bunch of money. I didn't really need it to work, but I needed it to work up there. Like we had five grand, that was it. Um, you know, again, two boys and three fat dogs and a wife. So, um, so we got to work the next day, and we found our first wholesale deal within like twenty days. Closed on it, and made six grand, and then just just after that, just started you know more and more deals. And you know, it's it's that literal, literal, literal burning the boats, right? We had no option. Like this was it. You know, we made that decision. I made that decision for the family. Luckily, my wife was always such a good sport and on board for whatever we wanted to do but uh yeah we uh we we found a way to make wholesaling work out of sheer necessity and it was wholesaling old school bandit signs (laughs) running up putting door you know little post-its on the door um you know handwritten yellow letters driving for dollars you know that was that was what we did for the first probably three years of of being here we wholesaled just a lot of houses so yeah so that's that's how we ended up in chattanooga and, and wholesaling crazy man
0: so it that, that time in your life, um, what is it that helped you get through that? Well, so, so I think a lot
1: of it comes back to my parents, right? Being very, um, um you know, you don't, you don't start something and not finish it. I was a Boy Scout, and Eagle Scout, so that taught me some some leadership and kind of stick with its skills. Um, I have plenty of Catholic guilt to go on top of all of it, just as a little cherry on top, right? Like you can't you can't let your family down. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I I had responsibilities. You know, I had a wife, two boys, and three fat dogs that that depended on me to make sure that that we figured this out. So it was necessity, just literal sheer necessity. There was no. And there was no there was no option. Like, like I knew it worked. I'd been around plenty of people in Orlando who were big wholesalers, right? So I knew wholesaling would work. And honestly, we weren't rehabbing then because nobody rehabbed for a couple of years because nobody you nobody could buy anything, right? Banks weren't lending money. So rehabbing was really off the table. Um, when we first thought about coming to Chattanooga it was to buy apartments, but again, banks were busy taking back properties, not lending on, lending on new ones. So no, I mean, I, I don't have I don't know of anything else other than just sheer desperation and and you know, wanting to make sure that I provided for my kids. I can tell you the, the first summer that we were here, weirdly enough, it was a, it was one of the best summers ever we had with our kids, but like we couldn't go on vacation, like we'd go on hikes, you know, up, up to the mountain up to raccoon raccoon mountain or you know, we'd go over to akoe where, the uh, whitewater rafting was for the Olympics in Atlanta, or, you know, we do a, you know, a barbecue in the backyard, you know, hot dogs on a stick, but like, that's what life was back like back then. I mean, I remember going to the store and going, okay, I got to get, I got to get the generic chips and, you know, the generic IC so we can make Kool-Aid and uh, do I have enough hot money to get hot dogs and hot dog buns? Like such, you know, like I remember that very distinctly that, you know, having to to be on that kind of a budget, right? Like no TV, we had internet at the house, um, so we could do some work. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, just had to provide for my family.
0: So, there's a couple couple key things there I want to dive in a little bit more. So, you mentioned basically getting started with five grand, having nothing else to your name, and you also slid in there that you had done a lease option. Let's talk about What sure. it's like to get started with nothing and what some of the best ways to yeah. to find yeah. that success and be able to roll it on and build yeah. that momentum. And then let's talk about what creative financing, specifically sure. you know, owner financing and uh, lease options yeah. have done for you.
1: Love it. Love it. I actually really don't like lease options as a, as a, as a, as a mechanism for wholesalers, but yeah, the uh, you know, I, I needed to find a way to at least get enough money to get out of, out of Florida. Um, I, I mean, I was hoping to get more down. I, I the signs might've said 10,000 down. I don't remember, but it was 5,000 that we got. Um, so yeah, I tell people when I'm telling the story, I'm like, you know what the line for broke is it's here. We were, we were half of broke. <laughs> like we, like we had no money. They like, it wasn't five grand for my business. It was five grand to live and to pay that sub two mortgage on that, that piece of junk that we bought and we're living in and, you know, to buy some food and put gas in the car. I mean, that was five grand does not last long, right? I can spend five grand in 15 minutes now. So like it was, it was not a lot. So we knew, we knew that we had to, to go out and do it. Um, starting with nothing. Honestly, I, I think most people are probably better off starting that way. Um, because you have to really bootstrap it and and figure it out, so within that five grand we also had to go buy some some bandit signs we you know we went out <laughs> excuse me um you know for us, you know we made a plan we said, okay during the week i'm uh I'm going to uh drink'm sorry I'm good. got a little cold, but uh during the week, I would I would handwrite these bandit signs, we buy houses. And on Friday night, we would go out every Friday night and put them out. And I don't know if you've ever put out or anybody's ever put out a hundred bandit signs, but it takes a while. It takes three takes to four hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a especially, you know, we were nailing them up to the posts, we were putting them in the ground. So we went out every single Friday and, you know, we put out a hundred bandit signs. Now didn't matter if it was raining, snowing, like what the weather was, like we went out and did it. If, you know, I had to take my kids, you know, they wanted to go see a movie, we would go see the movie and we'd go do it at one in the morning, or we'd do it at 10, like it didn't matter. Like before the sun came up on Saturday, we, we made sure that we put those um, signs out. And we did that for three years, like without missing a beat. And even after we stopped for years, we'd drive by and we'd see our signs still tacked up in real obscure places, um, you know, during the week, what we would do is I would get up, I had this old beat up Jeep and we would, we would drive up and down, you know, every single street going driving for dollars. So I would, I would do that. I would bring it back. My wife would sit at home. She would get on a property appraiser and pull up, um, yeah, pull up the mailing address, create a spreadsheet, print off labels. And we were mailing out, we actually made like handwritten postcards that we made ourselves. On cardstock, and she would cut it with the paper cutter. Oh she yeah, was, she was doing yellow letters. Um, yeah, we we finally got after we did a couple of deals. We bought we bought some pre printed postcards, and she could print labels. But uh, no, man, it was like it was a team effort. You know, my kids would be with me. They loved during the summer <laughs> when they were out of school, jumping out of the back of the jeep, running up, and putting little sticky notes on on the doors of vacant houses. Um, yeah, we just we just had to figure out a way, right? If, if uh, someone said, hey, put in those little sheets, that say we buy houses with the tear off tabs at laundromats, that works. Man, I, I was going out. We, we did it like, you know, and what was different back then, there was also no RIA here in, in Chattanooga. So we actually started one so that we could have a, a group of people to meet with. But uh, there was no education. There was no podcast. There was no like all the stuff that is available today. None of that was around back then. There was Ty the Flipman Taylor out of Birmingham. He had a YouTube video series, which was really good in the early days. Um, and then there were a couple of educators real early. Tim, Mai was around back then, Preston Ely, um, Dan Merrill, you know, he's, he's there with you. He was around, but like, like those were the original guys, right? Kenny rushing, uh, Tim Collins, like those were the original guys in the, in the two thousands that really are the people who taught the people who taught the people who taught the people who taught the people of family, right? Like we're really like probably fourth or fifth generation. We're not that first generation. But those guys, what they would do back then is they would have like Wednesday night webinars. And it was usually some type of product launch, but the
0: webinars were good, man. Right. It'd be, it'd be a 90 minute webinar and, you know, Oh be, man, they would suck you in too, man. You would just be there to the last second. Yeah, up. But they gave you,
1: they did give you some content. Right. And I was just, you know, we were there just trying to suck every, every free thing out of it that we possibly could. Um You know, it's some stuff we bought, some stuff we didn't, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's what it was like in the beginning, just like figuring it out on your own and wholesaling is not that complicated, right? It's like, it's not that tremendously complicated, but, uh, yeah, bootstrapping it. I don't, I don't have a better answer for it other than that.
0: No, that's important. I think you said all the things that someone needs to hear. Like yeah. you guys did those little things that you needed to do with the band of signs, with creating the postcards and putting in the effort to do it. And if you're at that point where you need a bootstrap, you need a bootstrap. And then you also yeah. talked about as you advance, you got a coach and that helped break, yeah. helped you break through to the next level and really yeah. advance that. So um, let's talk about the creative side. So you said you don't really huh? love the lease option side, but you love yeah. owner financing to build yeah. your portfolio.
1: Here, here's what i mean by that i think as investors we don't we don't um buy the way that we sell and we don't sell the way that we buy so i what i don't love is uh i don't love for wholesalers lease option as a strategy like i'm going to lease option it and then i'm going to wrap the lease option to somebody else i just think that's for a lot of reasons i think it's just kind of risky <clears throat> but um i love owner financing our portfolio is built 99%. I mean, they're all owner finance deals. A couple of them we refinanced into bank loans now. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We have a $8 million portfolio with about $6 million, or $6,000 in upfront money.
0: That's so crazy. So walk me through that. It's oh, yeah, uh, a whole podcast, but yeah. It's I a do. whole podcast. We don't have to get through all the secrets, but uh, yeah. I'm I'm just so curious by that. Because I, I love yeah. when someone is obviously focused on a specific strategy, gets really good at it laser focused, but to say mm-hmm. that all of them are that way sounds crazy, like who who's to say that, oh, well this one we we bought with a private lender, we did a, the yeah. burst strategy, nope, we did all of them, owner financing, yeah. There's, to you know, me that's owner, pretty well. Straight owner financing or sub two. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast. If you're a real estate investor that's just getting started or struggling to find that next deal, I have just the thing that's gonna help you get the breakthrough and the results you've been looking for. I have a free training that I wanna share with you that shows you how to find deals, negotiate deals, and get paid. All you have to do is go over to DeanRogers.com forward slash training to gain access to this free training. Now let's get back to the podcast, let's go. So here's what happens,
1: I'll tell you real quick. The, uh, excuse me, so okay. So you gotta, like, it's a different time. It's a way back, you know, land far, far away. In 2010, 11, 12, banks are not lending. It's not happening. Like you, you had to have an 800 credit score to be buying a house back then. So, you, you know, you can't rehab, you can't refinance out. Like all that didn't exist back then. So, um, and you know, we were in a, a very down market. Even here, we were in a down market. So think about this. Somebody, you know, Dean, somebody owes a hundred thousand on their house but the wholesale, you need to wholesale it at 80. So you got to contract it at 60 or 70, right? So you go to those houses and, and I get it. Like we could have sub far more than we did, but it's just for what it is. I was relatively new as a wholesaler. So what happened was we kept making offers. Oh, I can't take that. Right. And not everybody will do sub to, right? So mm-hmm. um, we kept hitting this wall, right? Where people had their financing. it just wouldn't allow them to, uh, um, you know, to, to, to bring that kind of cash to closing. Also in hindsight, I can see that we should have bought every one of them on sub two and just ridden the market four X up. But again, it was a terrible time. Nobody knew that this was going to happen. Nobody knew, you know, you just don't know what the future is. Now we all understand that as I've been doing, you've been doing it, real estate will continue to go up. But back then I didn't. So, so, okay. So I'm like, well, this sucks. I'm going through a lot of leads, but then I remembered because I went to a lot of RIA meetings, and I was sitting in a in a uh, you know boot camp or whatever one time, and you may know this. I'll ask you do you, Do you know the percentage of houses in the United States that are owned free and clear?
0: It's actually a, a surprisingly high amount. Like. Freakishly high. Uh, I don't remember the exact percent, but it, I'm just going to say mortgage? it's like 50 or 60%, something it's pretty not high. Like that. It's okay, between 40 and 42. Okay, 40. 40 was Still, the other number. The third number I was going to guess. Astronomically high number, right? Oh, so high. Yeah. Now, is that Some, is that. Uh, no is mortgage. That, Um Yeah, so it's no mortgage, but is that uh, like down to a certain specific area or region that that's most that's common? Just nationwide.
1: Nationwide. Okay. Those are just, those are like first Americans numbers. Okay. So I'm sure other, some areas are going to be, of course, different, but, but nationwide 40%. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, Davey. Well, I can't keep making offers to people who can't take it. So why don't I just market to people who are free and clear? Then I can make them whatever offer I want. And if they don't accept it, that's cool. But at least I have a shot, right? Like at least there's a possibility that they could accept my, my $60,000 offer. So we shifted all of our, and this is probably in 2010, we shifted, and we were still driving for dollars, but we shifted all of our, you know, list pulling to free and clear. And so what that does is now we're getting calls. I'm going out, and making the wholesale offer. And uh, sometimes they take it. Sometimes they don't, right? Like if you're good, one out of 10 will take it. But that means nine didn't, right? Okay. So if I, you know, I offered you, you you wanted ninety thousand Dean and I offered you sixty. You're like I can't take it. Well, hopefully in this conversation I've already established what your pain point is, right? Your pain point is, uh, you know, your cat's got psoriasis and you need to move to Phoenix so your cat. <laughs> <doesn't have> to- <laughs> That's when you okay. dealt with a lot, right? Yeah, you gotta get away from that ocean air that you got down there. So I'd be like, man, just no way sixty would work, huh? Mm. And it's a condensed version, but I'll be like, well, let me ask you this, man, because it's got to be like the first time you've ever thought about it.
0: Yeah, I love it. by so- the way, I gotta pause there. that when I teach my students, when I teach my team, it is one hundred percent has to be like that. You have to. Give it your effort like you're gonna get an uh, you know, an Emmy Award or whatever award, right? Um, because it needs to be like a genuine feeling and you yeah. need to have that pause. So I love that. I just had to talk about that.
1: So also you're the perfect person for this analogy. This is what I tell people. This is not the fun and gun passing game. This is why do you go to the running game in football to slow it down, right? You gotta slow down the pace of what's happening. Mm-hmm. In our brain, this is all firing off like rocket ships, right? But when you're talking to somebody, most people only sell a couple of houses in their life. And it's with a real. So when you're going to start talking about other crazy shit, (laughs) you you cannot overwhelm them and show them how smart you are. It's got to be simple, right? Keep it simple, right? So, you know, when I'm doing these things, one... One, I'm doing that to calm me down too, right? Yeah. But I'm like, okay, man, let me I really prefer to buy these things with cash, but let me ask you a question. Do you need all the money at once? That's my question. That's it. Yes or no? There'll be yes or no. And you shouldn't, like, because you're you're marketing to free and clear people, like I don't know why anybody would market anybody other than free and clear. You're marketing to free and clear people. You're asking quite like this is obviously the end of a 30 minute conversation, right? I've peppered, you know, I, I've, I've put some fucking markers in there all the way along, like, you know, what are you gonna do when you when you go to Phoenix? What are you gonna do? you know, did you like being a landlord? What's your favorite part about being a landlord? What do you hate about being? You know I'm asking a lot of questions to get to this point. but uh, you're like, well, and you might say, no, I don't need all the money at once. Well now I have a second second bite at the Apple okay well man I, i'd really rather buy this cash but if there was a way i could get to your 90 and we could do maybe something over you know payments over time or something like that would you be open to that right I, i'm only taking them like one inch at a time i'm not like hey dean so would you like to own a finance and hold a note and we'll, we'll do a deed of trust and like no it's not any of that stuff yeah. like and if, if i could find a way to do this would you be open to that Oh yeah, okay. Because I know you said the the best part of landlording was getting the check. The worst part is dealing with the tenants. This would be like the best of both worlds, right? You'd you'd be getting a check every month and not having to deal with the the tenants' toilets and taxes. Yeah, great, cool, right? That's I'm trying to get to there. How you get there is up to you, right? Your personality, but I'm trying to get to there. And then I say, well, let me do this. Let me go back to my office. Let me. Let me break out my calculator. Let me see, there might be two or different, two or three different ways that we could structure this. Um, you can do it on the fly if you're good. Like I can do it on the fly now, but most people can't. Um, and then I'm just gonna make them three offers. And this three offers comes from an old pre-foreclosure type offer thing, that course that I bought called called uh, Autopilot from Chris Kirshner, who's out of the business, but probably one of the best courses I ever bought. And essentially I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make three offers. One, I'm gonna make you an offer at 90,000. And I'm I'm literally making up terms, right? 90 thousand, you know, four percent interest on a 20 year term um, you know first payment due on the 15th of the month 90 days from now, right whatever. Um, and the way that you if this takes a little more work, you need to figure out like what it would cash flow at, because for me, I only keep properties and cash flow. I would not wrap these and resell them. Um, my third offer, is gonna be my cash offer. And then that middle offer is gonna be, you know, maybe I'll offer you two grand or five grand, something like that. Um, I'll, You know, maybe a purchase price of 75,000 and 3% interest, something like that, right? You gotta, it takes a minute to work out the numbers, but yeah, so I'm gonna make you three offers. I'm gonna say, hey, Dean, let's take a look at this. Here's what I, here's, I was able to come up with a way to get you the full 90. Here you go. So you'll read it. Oh, okay. 90. Okay. So you're going to make me payments. Yep. Okay, great. I'm like, or I've got this middle one here where I can get you 5,000 up front now, pay you a little bit less, but you know, you're still, and at the end, I always put in bold letters, like, you know, I amortize it out and figure out what the total payout is total payout 137,000. So really not only am I giving you 90, I mean, I can actually get you 137 over time. And then you know middle one and then the bottom one is the cash offer and i know i'm rushing this a ton but and then uh like Dean, which which one do you think would work for you and shut up and which one would you pick man just pick one which one
0: i like the middle one i love it
1: you know what man that's the one everybody picks because now (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna emotionally anchor you to have making have made the right decision so you don't walk out of here and go man, did I screw that up? I'm like, you know what? That's what everybody picks.
0: (laughs) What if they switch? Oh no, I meant this one. No, I'm just fine. I mean, you know, (laughs) probably too, man. What, you know, whatever,
1: whatever, you know, works for you. You know, my goal is just here to try to help you solve this problem.
0: Yeah. No, uh,
1: It is right. Like we're, we're trying to solve their problem. This works amazing with landlords absolutely amazing. Literally the conversation is, you know, I would have talked to you I'm like, man, how cause I want to, you know, when I go meet people, I want to learn about them, right? I'm always fascinated with like the 80 year old landlord who owns 50 houses. Like, man, right. how did you get started? What got you going? How, what even made you think about real estate? How did you buy all these deals? Like I want to learn about people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always interested. So, you know, the more you can really care and uh and learn about somebody and learn figure out what their pain point is well then you know that's what you're going to use when you get to the end you know and even if you push back a little bit like man dean i know um you know but i'll you know i could get this done really quick because i know you, know you said your cat's getting really sick with the psoriasis and you got to get her to dry weather um like literally we could have this done in three days
0: See I think the thing that is so valuable with what you just went over is that this is you got to make it simple. Got to make yeah. it simple cuz cuz for us to understand all the ins and outs, we yeah. might need to get to the nitty-gritty, but the average person is just going to be overwhelmed and just when they're overwhelmed they're going to shut down and yeah. and shut off. So, um a confused mind says
1: no. Yeah. Know. So, so yeah, so it's not a lot more comp. And really the paperwork's very simple to do. It's not, uh, you know, the thing I get asked to go out and speak a lot about is we have this as a course, three offers to freedom. And you know, I can do like we actually did a weekend boot camp of two days explaining this out really in detail. But uh yeah, it's it's a very simple, you know, such such a simple way to do it. And for me, you know, I'm different than you when I started. I was 40, but when I started wholesaling and doing this, this part of the business. So um, I did not want to be doing stuff on a thirty-year mortgage. Didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be done when I was seventy, right? So, you know, I was always trying to have the shortest mortgages possible. I didn't really care too much about cash flow. In my my predicament, I had a thriving wholesale business. We were making on a bad month twenty thousand dollars a month, so I didn't need four hundred dollars in cash flow. That wasn't my that wasn't a, really a driver for me. For me, it was collecting as many properties as I could. And getting them paid off as quickly as possible so that I could be living in Southern California or on a beach someplace, right? So for me, all of my properties actually pay off in the next four and five years. Um, so that was more of my goal than than anything else. You know, I wanted to hold these things for forever and you know, have you know, we'll probably have sixty thousand dollars a month cash flow coming in when it's done, and I can pass that on to my kids and grandkids, right? It's it's you know, it's generational wealth or
0: whatever yeah exactly that's when it gets yeah, nice. of millions of dollars in the bank to you
1: know to, to kick off 40 to fifty thousand dollars a month it's true absolutely yeah so that's kind of our my philosophy on owner financing um you know i would sell on a lease option but i wouldn't want to buy on a lease option um mm-hmm. I would sell on a contract for deed, but I would never buy on a contract for deed because I want to be able to keep control of the deal. Right. I want to always have the deed in my possession. Right. So the reason we would buy this way, we would never, you know, I think the reason people do lease options and contract for deed is they're just afraid. They're afraid to make the offer. Right. Unless you get somebody really sophisticated, which happens, right. Like I would never sell to somebody the way I buy, but uh, you know, uh, cause I want to maintain the control of the deal. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, we, you know, I want to buy with cash or I want to buy with, with financing or I want to buy sub two, but I want the deed to be in my name so that I'm in control. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me about, uh, so you went from Florida to Tennessee. Tennessee, and Tennessee. does that mean that you did, you, you kind of transitioned and shifted all your focus on investing in Tennessee?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, because remember, we were just flipping in in Orlando, so we really had no no assets other than that one house that I left behind. We had no no assets. So once we got here, um, all of our rental properties are really within about fifteen minutes of where our office is. Um, yeah, I don't invest in other states, which is fine. But again, back then, like virtual wholesaling wasn't really a thing.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: virtual wholesaling didn't come out until fifteen or sixteen. No, um, I'm big
0: I'm big on local, anyways. That's that's how I run my whole business. Yeah. Um, is the local model and, and to stay in your own backyard. Yeah. Have you expanded into other parts of Tennessee or other States or do you, have you just kept it in Chattanooga?
1: Yeah. And we're right on the Georgia line. So I have a couple properties in Georgia. Like okay. I'm, you know, your arm could probably throw a baseball into, uh, into Georgia from here. So we're, I'm relatively like a quarter mile. So we're Chattanooga sits right on the line. We're exactly two hours North of Atlanta. We're the first city as you go over the line.
0: Yeah. and tennessee's a pretty good market right like it's landlord friendly yeah um
1: a lot lot of of growth there there. um no state income tax so we're one of those states so yeah yeah, it's a place to live it really is when we came here i thought i would be here for like five to seven years one market cycle and uh it's it's great man the people are awesome it's a a beautiful place to live like you know like you I've, i've been all over the world but there are still days i'm driving through tennessee i'm like with the mountains and the change of seasons. I'm like, I get why people travel here. It's a beautiful place. You know, it really, it really is. So yeah, I enjoy it. It's, it's definitely become home.
0: That's awesome. I've, I've looked mm-hmm. at Tennessee as a potential market myself, even though again, everything I own and do is in central California yeah. and and where I stay focused. But um, let's talk, let's end with talking about uh, something that you've become known about, which is your business with uh outsourcing the transaction coordination aspect of the business walk me through that real quick
1: yeah so we are we're a, a, a virtual transaction coordination company so we're sort of like um we could be like your your VATC. um for us the way that it happened was we were wholesaling nationwide this, actually this room that i'm standing in had our our own personal tcs in it and uh so, you know, the the COVID happened, you know, whenever it was four, three, four years ago, or whatever that little recession was, or blip, and, uh, you know, a lot of people started letting go of people on their staff. So, you know, I'm an investor, lift cartel boss, and some of the other cartel bosses were like, hey, man, I, I let go of my TC and my assistant, can you, like, you still have yours, can you help us do some deals? Because that was kind of the thing that I was always known for, the thing I coached on was dispositions. And again, twenty years of going deals, all kinds of wacky deals, you you get you get good at title work. so um, so I was always kind of the back half of the deal specialist. So I'm like, yeah, sure, man. we'll just we'll just charge you per deal or something. We'll figure it out. I want to help my friends. And uh, so, yeah, so we did that for like a month or two, and and I'm like, you know what? I feel like this is a business. I feel like this is something that we could do. That there's a gap in the marketplace where you know there, it makes absolutely no sense for every investor in the country to go out and hire a uh, you know thirty forty fifty sixty thousand dollar transaction coordinator. That's dumb when we can do it at scale from here. And COVID definitely taught us that you know closings went very remote. Um, Everybody was, you know, sending out notaries like it got very virtual very quickly that COVID was good for for that part of of our business for sure. So we launched at uh, Ricardo's event in 2021. Yeah, 2000 October of 2021. And we really got going in, in 22. We had 65 clients our first year. I just did my numbers yesterday for a meeting. So I know we did $55 million in transactions the first year. And then this year, we're going to end up at about $110 million in in transactions, seventeen million dollars in assignment fees for our clients. So, yeah, we work we work virtual. All of our transaction coordinators are here in our office in Chattanooga. You know, nobody nobody in the Philippines. Not that they're not awesome. We have plenty of marketing VAs and stuff, but uh, all of our people that actually talk to buyers and sellers are are here in the office. So, yeah, we we work with uh, with wholesalers and investors all over the country getting their deals closed. So we we actually four our company this year, and we expect to four again next year
0: those are some big numbers man that's that's uh pretty wild um it's been a wild ride like i knew there was a need a for lot of it. deals yeah
1: we uh we took in it was like 2088 files last year this year the year we're in right now that's a lot of that's a lot of files so so we're really yeah. good at you know all our team does all day long we don't wholesale anymore we don't uh you know, I don't do any coaching, all of my properties are outsourced to property management. Every, you know, there's 17 people in our office, all they do all day long is is work on title issues and close people's deals. So, you know, when I'm speaking to people, I'll say, listen, close your eyes, think of the worst deal you've ever had. That's a Tuesday for us, right? Like, you know, <laughs> it's literally like the guy in the matrix, right? We can see the problem coming because we just see him over and over and over again, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, dead person like why didn't they? you know I was gonna we were talking earlier about your closing like immediately I'm like oh well they should have done this this and this somebody should have caught that for you right well you know someone should have pulled the search early and seen you know this this was a thing so um so yeah so that's 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 what what we do we just do it we do transaction coordinating on a bigger scale than anybody's ever thought of doing yeah
0: that's huge. Yeah. Well, we'll put some notes down in the uh in the uh the show notes here if someone wants to check out your guys' company. Uh it's REI closings, right?
1: Yeah, easy, the letter E letter easy. Z. Yeah, easy REI and then closings with an s.com. Yeah, e-
0: easy REI <laughs> closings. So you guys can check that out. Um dude, it's been fun to go through and and chat about your story and yeah. uh I know that you're highly respected in the industry and just uh, a big giver and and help a lot of people in their businesses. So yeah, appreciate awesome you being here, man.
1: Yeah, dude. I'm I'm so glad we got to finally get this set up and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll do it again. And I'll have you online here pretty soon.
0: Sounds like a plan, man. All right, guys, yeah. until next time. Peace. See ya.